The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to the 21st episode of the cleverly titled Dan Scott Show, presented, as you just heard, by Grand Slam Ministries. I am Dan, hoping and praying that you have had a great week leading into today, and also praying that this show uh, either has become, is becoming, or will become a part of your Sunday worship experience, and, and not because of anything that I'm doing, but because of the stories that God is allowing us to tell on this radio program of radical changes he is making, has done, and continues to make in people's lives. Uh, if you have been listening to this show from the beginning, the, the guests that we have had, the stories that have been told to many people on the outside, especially those who are not Christians, probably some of them would lean towards the unbelievable side. But for those of us who know the Spirit of God and His work in our lives, I know the work that He's done in my life to continue to get story after story, week after week, of just the incredible movement of God in people's lives is awe-inspiring. And I hope that that you're, you're getting that same feeling. I hope that you are sharing this show with other people. Because I'm telling you, folks, th- this, this is not anything that I'm doing. God keeps bringing people to us, sharing the radical change that Jesus has made in their lives and some of the stories are absolutely incredible. We've got a really, really good story for you today from a guy who had the God of football ripped away from him just when he was ready to begin what was almost assuredly a path to playing in the NFL and what God had planned for him that he had no idea. And now he is the pastor of of a huge church in Easley, South Carolina. Dean Herman is our guest. We'll talk more about him coming up in just a moment. But first, even though I I mentioned it last week, I do want to take a moment to officially welcome AM640 WXFM, the sports monster, the Tri-City sports leader, that Tri-City in Tennessee of Kingsport, Johnson City, and Bristol, as our newest over-the-air affiliate. They are beginning with us today And the show will air at 8 a.m. every Sunday morning on the Sports Monster. So those of you in the Tri-City area, very, very familiar with that area. Uh, My job at Furman has me at East Tennessee State University quite a bit. And I've got a lot of great friends in that area. Uh, Drive through there every time I go visit my parents in West Virginia. And and it's uh, also interesting that this would be your first week joining us because the guest that we have today, Dean Herman, I mentioned, uh, came to football prominence in high school in Wise, Virginia. And outside of me, as the host of this show, who grew up in West Virginia, about uh, 
90 minutes or less from Wise, you folks might be the only people who really know where Wise, Virginia is. So perhaps it's God bringing everything together in his timing again. Anyway, welcome the Sports Monster, and uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll get into this week's interview with Dean Herman right after this. Grand Slam Ministries exists to glorify Jesus Christ in multiple ways through this radio show and its accompanying online, digital, and video components through our sister websites, danscottshow.org and grandslamministries.org and through furthering our core missions, mentorship, and providing food and other necessities to children. None of this is possible without your prayers and support. By making a gift to Grand Slam Ministries today, you'll not only help this program remain on this radio station, you'll help us grow our family of stations, allowing us to bring stories of God working in the lives of men and women everywhere to a larger audience. And at the same time, your gift will help us in the initial launch of those core mission programs. Grand Slam Ministries is in its infancy. We need your support. Will you help us today? Visit our website at grandslamministries.org and prayerfully consider a one-time or monthly gift today. Above and beyond anything else, please pray for our ministry. Thank you, and God bless. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at danscottshow.org. And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. As mentioned at the top, this is episode 21 of the Dan Scott Show. Thank you for tuning in. And as I try to do every episode, I'll remind you that if you have missed previous editions of the show and some of the just amazing stories that God has allowed us to tell, you can get the archives by going to danscottshow.org, the Affiliates and Archives page, and access the previous shows through there. Or you can simply go to wherever you get your podcast from and search the Dan Scott Show podcast and every episode we've done all the way back to January the 8th is archived there from me sharing my testimony to all of the guests that we've had, former big league baseball players and so many, so many others. Uh, the actor T.C. Stallings uh, was was on one of the earlier shows. So you'll, you'll want to go back and check those out because we have been on an incredible run of God's uh, blessing here and and telling these life-changing stories and we've got another one for you today you know dean herman had no idea that he was going to be pastoring what is commonly referred to as a mega church in a small city of twenty-five thousand people in easily south carolina he thought that he was going to be an nfl star and for a while had every reason to believe that was going to be the case and God had no presence in his life. But as we have come to find out, God always has a plan, whether you know it or not. Here's the conversation I had this week with Dean Herman. 
Well, let, let's start by talking about what people in this area are going to be uh, uh, drawn to, and, and that is playing football at Clemson and being part of the 81 National Championship team. How did you get recruited to Clemson? How did Danny Ford find out about you? Well, I was, as a senior, I was in Wise, Virginia, a little 1A school. Wise is uh, located where they filmed the coal miner's daughter with Loretta Lynn. And uh, I was 6'6", 240, could run a 4940. You know, that was big and fast back in those days. It ain't anymore. You know, but back in those days, that was big and fast. And and Coach Ford flew his personal jet into Wise, Virginia, a little one-strip runway, if you want to call it an airport. And I met his big news. And uh, I'd been recruited by a bunch of schools of Coach Ford. And he came in our front room and, and made my mom and dad and myself feel like a family. And uh, when I took my visit to Clemson, saw the beauty of the campus. They needed offensive linemen. And, and I just fell in love with Clemson. I ain't going to lie to you. And uh, signed with Coach Tom Harper. Uh, he actually came to Wise and signed me. And then uh, came to Clemson and, and got the incredible honor of playing on the 81 National Championship team. So it was a lot of fun to come from a little 1A school from Wise, Virginia, and be a part of the 1981 National Championship team, no doubt. Yeah, I uh, may be one of the few people listening to this who knows exactly where Wise, Virginia is because I drive through it every time I go visit my parents in Williamson, West Virginia. Okay, so, yeah. So that that's where I grew up, so I'm very familiar with that. We're talking about coal country there. Oh, big, I'm number coal mines. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and an area that, uh, it, at least on the West Virginia side of things, is getting more and more depressed uh, by by the day, but so that's true. that that's another story for another so time. True. What what was your experience at Clemson like? Well, don't forget, uh, my story's a little bit more unique in that I had gotten my girlfriend pregnant at seventeen, uh, eighteen. We had our baby, and then uh, that was our senior year. Played football, and because I had some other schools tell me that I couldn't bring my wife or daughter. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Coach Ford told me I could. Uh, Coach Ford was, he was always so, so caring about Debbie and Michelle. And uh, I took my wife and daughter, headed to Clemson, and uh, started out at 6'6", 240. <clears throat> and Coach Van Hayden told me I needed to get bigger and stronger. And by the time I left, I was 6'6", uh, 310, and uh, loved the game. Absolutely loved it. Loved I loved everything about my experience at Clemson, from Coach Ford to Coach Vander Hayden to the team rate, teammates, camaraderie. Just it, I had a very good experience, except that by the time I had finally made my way from the bottom of the depth chart, you know, coming from a little one A school, I was Mister Everything in high school. You get to Clemson and realize real quick, oh, oh, I am in a different world. And by the time I had gone from 240 to 310, you know, come in bench pressing nothing to bench pressing 405, squatting 700 pounds, still running a 4940, weighing 310, and had, had won the starting left offensive tackle job going into the orange and white game, which would allow me two years to start. And the 20th, the 20th practice of spring is the orange and white. 19th is in shorts, orange team, white team. 18th practice we were finishing and and uh, coach ford said one versus one first string against first string he was very upset about something knew it was going to be the last time that we could 
practice before the orange white game. And uh, that's where God took my right knee out so that uh, because football had become my God. And that was a really tough experience for me at Clemson. Nothing to do with Clemson football. It was me running from God for so many years that he had to get my attention. And besides that one moment in which football was taken away from me, my experience at Clemson was incredible. Isn't it interesting, Dean, that we, we can remember exact days, times, you can remember the exact number of practices that, that you were in in those moments that seemed to be so important to us? Well, I, I, the 20 practices, you know, the, when my knee was blown out, we're supposed to be done. Coach Ford's up in his tower with his horn hollering, screaming and fussing and one-on-one. And, you know, and obviously that moment was, I, I truly believe, ordained for me to do that. And, uh, yes, I can remember every detail about that day. So tell me about the play. I'd be glad to. Uh, I, I always remember Coach Van Aiden saying, okay, look, all we need you to do is give the quarterback three to four seconds. That's all you got to do. And it was a three-drop pass. Uh, the quarterback had to drop back three steps. And um, it was Michael Dean Perry and William Dean Perry. Uh, Michael Dean and William Perry. And I had Michael Dean Perry in me, probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest athletes I've ever met phenomenal athlete Michael Dean Perry was but the snap of the ball he took off directly inside to my right not it was a stunt obviously and I handed him right over to uh Steve Reese and that was the the guard and then Michael Dean or William Perry was coming from the from the nose nose guard position and I grabbed a hold of him and he took a step to the outside which made my knee you know kind of turn to the left and then he tried to take a step back, and my knee was still extended out. And at that time, Steve and Michael Dean came in and hit my knee. And I heard it explode. And my dad taught me a man doesn't cry. I had never cried, but I cried on that field that day. And it wasn't from the pain. You play Clemson football, you play down in the trenches, you learn what pain is. Mm-hmm. I cried from a broken heart because I knew football was over. At, at that moment, you knew how serious the injury was. Uh, right then. The pain, the ag- it was awful. I'll never forget it. And at that moment, my heart was broken. I knew. I knew. Football was over. So how did football become your God? What was that trek like? Because that doesn't just happen overnight. Well, that's a great question. I, you know, through all the times I've talked to people about football and, and, and my injury, I've never been asked that question. But I can answer it because when I was in high school, football brought me so much fame and glory. I, I am the only athlete to ever get a D1 scholarship out of Wise, Virginia. So you got coaches coming from all over the Southeast recruiting me, uh, coming to basketball games, coming into the high school my junior and senior year. You can mean it's not normal for Notre Dame coaches to call JJ Kelly High School. It's not normal for these coaches from all these colleges to come walking down the hallways. The fame and the glory that it brought me was unbelievable, and the love of the game. Good night, Almighty! I loved hitting people. <laughs> I loved hitting people. 
So, so, you know, you add all that together. And then I always thought one day I will play in the NFL, you know? So here I was again, six, six, 310 pounds on a four, nine 40. The start left was going to be the left starting offensive tackle for the Clemson Tigers for two years, which would give me a great shot at playing in the NFL one day. And I loved every second of it. And we're talking about a time frame at Clemson where they were turning out defensive and offensive linemen who were going yes, to the NFL and having yes, incredible careers. And don't forget, they redshirted just about everybody back then. So I've already put in three long years of, of trying to get get a chance to really start and, and, and play in every game. You know, I got to play in some games, but I didn't, I didn't walk on the field every single game as a starting tackle. I never got to enjoy that moment. We're visiting with Dean Herman. He is the pastor of Five Point Church in Easley, South Carolina, and talking right now about his journey through the game of football and what would ultimately lead him into where he is now. With all of those accolades, with all of those coaches and everybody coming to visit you at such a small school, uh, obviously that's something that can inflate the ego. Was that an issue? Yes. <laughs> until, until the first day I walked in to the Clemson locker room and I realized I wasn't such a big deal anymore. Funny how that there works, isn't it? There are a lot of it? people a whole lot bigger, a whole lot stronger, and made me feel, oh, what have I done? And, and, yet, yes. and yet somehow you were able to push through that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, when I say bigger, I was 6'6", 240. So I was, you know, one of the taller guys. We we had – our names some guys that were, you know, just a little taller than me. But they were so much bigger in their arms and their chest and their – and so I started – and at J.J. Kelly, we didn't have a whole lot of weights. I never really, you know, just killed myself in the weight room. Mm -hmm. But I started then because Coach Banner Hayden told me. He said, Dean, man, you've got you've got the, the, the size, you've got the speed, you've got the love of the game, but Dean, you got to get stronger. And I did. So you put in all the work. You're 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 ready for the moment, and then in one one second, one play, everything everything's taken away from you. So you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, and I'm I'm just wondering how you dealt with that. You you say now God is getting your attention and you know that, but but what was it like then? Well, I wish my wife was on here. She'd tell you. I was a, a hole. And my God had been taken away from me. So now I am mean to everything and everybody around me. And you gotta realize this is all BC. This mm -hmm. is before Christ. Right. I do not know Jesus. And my God had just been taken away. I never drank, man. I never did drugs. All I did was dedicate my my body to being a machine to play in the NFL. And, and it was gone. And now I got a wife. I got a kid. And then I, I always had decent grades uh, because you had to keep a 2.0 to you know to even to be to play. And 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 they made if you didn't have a 2.0. They made you go to study hall. I didn't want to go to study hall at night because I had a wife and kid. So I, I kept decent grades, but I really started getting after it then just because I was so angry, bitter, 
and knew I had to make some type of a living one day because I always thought I'd play in the pros. But I was not a nice person. It, 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 it took a while for me to even really function again because, because of the hurt. The, I'll tell you, because of the void in my life, being so in love with Jesus the way that I am now, I hurt for so many people because all they're doing is they're trying to fill the voids in their life with something else than with Christ. And that's exactly where I was with football. I was allowing football to be my God, and I was filling the voids in my life with that game. Sounds an awful lot like like my testimony when I get a chance to speak at churches and the things that I tried, the alcohol, the pornography, the, 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 cheating, yes. the cheating on my wife, all, all of those other things. And, and what you don't realize is it's a Jesus-shaped hole that you're trying to fill, and that's the only thing that's going to fill that hole. Exactly right. Well said. And that's exactly what I was doing. And so now, and I still, again, I turned to alcohol or drugs, and, and some of that had to do with the way I was brought up. My dad was a very, very bad alcoholic, and I saw what alcohol did to him and my family. And I, I never had – I've only been drunk a couple times in my life. And it wasn't because I was like this good person. No, I was lost. I, I just – I saw what alcohol did, and I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So, so that, it, that, that, that circles me back to another question I meant to ask a, a while ago about the way you were brought up. You were not brought up in a Christian home. Well, yes and no. My mom was one of the godliest women you'd ever met. Mm -hmm. She loved Jesus. And there, I don't know how many times my mom had said, I really thought I could change your dad. Now, as a pastor, I hear women say it all the time, I thought I could change him. Well, you're not the Holy Spirit. You can't change him. But dad was as pagan as they come. Now, dad was a great provider. He was an was a incredible dad, supporter, gave us everything we needed. But my dad was about as rogue as they came. My dad was all about women, drinking making money so on the one shoulder i got my dad pushing me son don't you ever cry and you make as much money as you possibly can and you fulfill every desire in your life that you want and then i got my mom making me go to church even though i didn't want to and being the most incredible example of christ i've ever seen my my dad is a pastor and i always joke about being you know the pastor's son and, and it sounds like you can say the same joke where your mom is concerned about having the drug problem growing up every that drug to church every Everybody. time every time the church doors are open you were drug inside and you got to remember I, I i was born in california mm -hmm. and didn't move to the east coast till I was 12 or 13 and and football comes on at nine o'clock there so i want to stay home and watch football uh, no 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 drug to church we're visiting with Dean Herman, the pastor at, at Five Point in Easley, South Carolina. All right, so let, let's let's get to where the rubber meets the road. Tell me about how you came to Jesus. What what brought all of this to a head, and how did you finally give your life over to Christ? Well, as I said, I believe my injury was an ordained moment from God, and what led to me to knowing Christ was too. I remember looking my my mom in the eyes before I left to go to Clemson and telling her mom, I just want you to know I'll never go to church again. And my mom literally cried and said, Dean, there is a call on your life. Please son, don't say that. Well, then after I had my injury, I became very bitter. Isn't it funny how we get mad at God when we've been running from God our entire life. Right. But I, I cursed God on that football field. Because I had said earlier in my life, God, leave me alone or I'll leave you alone. So I got hurt 
and and I started going to class really, really, well, I was in class, but I really started studying, actually went to the library. I, I really wanted to finish with good grades now so I could do something in my life. And I had an interview with a coach. You might have heard of this guy, this guy by the name of Hunter Renfro. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Hunter Renfro, but his dad, Timmy Renfro, was the athletic director and the coach at uh, Green Sea Floyd's High School. And I got a phone call from him and, and went, went to Horry County out of the beach and did an interview uh, to get a, a teaching job and a coaching job. And we met at Hardy's. He bought me a steak and egg biscuit, <laughs> a glass of tea. And I'll never forget, never forget this. Never forget this because it was a pivotal moment in my life. He interviewed me and said, Dean, I'd really love for you to be a part of my staff. Man, you, 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 you'll be able to add with your knowledge of the offensive line, you know, the, the, the drills you told me, of course I knew all that just from coach Vander Hayden. He'd done such a good job with us. He said, but I want you to know something. He said, I, I'm radically in love with Jesus and I don't allow my staff to cuss. And I literally looked at him and said, what? I've never had a football coach that didn't cuss me out. He said, Dean, I don't allow that because of my relationship with Christ. I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. No, I won't cuss. But I, I didn't cuss that much anyway, because, because of my wife and daughter went to green sea floyds and began i actually i graduated in december and started in january incredible that i got a job in the middle of the year that was a story went to spring practice and timmy began to do bible studies with the coaches and i hope men are listening and hear this I'd grown up in church my entire life, and I'd never seen a man of God. Oh, I saw the guys who went out and hoarded around with my dad sitting on the front row, called themselves deacons, and they were no different than my dad. I'd never seen a man radically in love with Jesus. And I saw Timmy Renfro, and he was different. And I began to say, just in my own spirit, he's got something that I want. He's got something that makes his life different than any man I've ever seen in my life. It's because of Timmy Renfro and his walk with Christ that I said, I want what he has. And we as believers should be the perfect representation of Christ. And he was. And I began to tell Debbie, we got to get to church. I want to go to church. I want to go where he goes. The pastor of Green Sea Baptist Church was Kevin Childs who was a former Wofford football player. So it's like, I got these men of God around me and I began to sit under Kevin's teaching. And all of a sudden the Bible began to come alive on April 12th, 1987, Green Sea Baptist Church. It was as if that message was pointed at Dean Herman. The invitation was given packed house. I stood up for the second time in my life. I was crying. The first time was when God took everything from me. This time I'm crying because I believe God was giving me everything I ever wanted. Deb looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? And I said, Deb, I want to go forward and I can't. She took me by the hand. We went in front of that church and in front of hundreds of people, I bowed down. And I gave my life to Christ and I was radically changed. The problem in the American church, is we got people who raise their hand and say, I want to go to heaven. See, we got people who are consumed with a destination. They're not consumed with a radical love relationship. I fell in love with Jesus, and I've never been the same. 
We're visiting with Dean Herman, the pastor of Five Point Church in Easley, South Carolina. Uh, what kind of influence was Debbie on you? Was she a Christian already at this time, or was did you guys both come to Christ at the same time? What no. what, what was she like? Deb didn't grow up in church. And after we'd gotten married, remember, we're married in our senior year of high school. Right. She went to a revival with one of her friends and got saved. Right before we get ready to leave to go to Clemson. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm going from one nagging woman to another. I've had my mom <laughs> nag about Jesus all my life, and i got my wife nagging about me about Jesus. And again, it's all part of the process. Uh, Deb is my biggest supporter. People have no idea of the hell a lot of pastors have to go through. And she's right there. Been behind me from the injury to getting saved. Deb, let's, let's give every dime we have twice. God, Deb, she has been so supportive. She's an incredible woman of God. Isn't it fascinating how you, you can look back with, with the gift of hindsight and see God directing your steps Direct, directing your path even before you gave your life to him. I, I, I do that I do that all the time. I tell people it's just incredible what I can see now that God was doing in my life before June the 10th of 2012, which is when I finally surrendered after 45 years of running. Isn't that amazing that you, what, what you can see when you look back? Sure, and I bet Coach Banner Hayden said this 100 times during my stint there. One day, you're going to wish you could put these pads back on. So while you got them on, give everything you got. And I can remember, and then he was right. Oh, how I'd love to put them things back on one time. And I can remember my mom saying, Dean, there's a call on your life if you'll just give in. There's so many things that people say to us through the years that we ignore because we know everything. Oh, how I wish I would have listened to people more back when I was younger so that God could have used me in a greater way. I can't imagine with the way God's using me now what he could have done if I'd surrendered 20 years earlier. I, I saw something this morning as I was preparing for uh, our Sunday school lesson this week that said the two greatest educational ages in a child's life are ages 4 and 17. At age 4, you have all the questions, and at age 17, you have all the answers. <laughs> so good. That's so true. So you, you, you give your life to Christ, and now, obviously, things are radically different. But did you have any idea that that decision was going to lead you to become a pastor, to become a preacher? Oh, heavens no. My mom told me to be a preacher. I told her she was stupid. There's no way. Uh, that was the last thing I wanted to be. But, but something else I don't understand with so many people in the American church they, they say they got saved, but then they don't read their Bibles. When you have the Spirit of God come and dwell inside of you, because that's, that's, that's what makes us different, is that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. It gives you the presence of God in you, which draws you to the Word of God. I got saved April 12, 1987. April 13th, I began to read my Bible, and I fell radically in love with Jesus. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, words with God, and the Word was God. When you read your Bible— you are hanging out with God. And I, I, I fell so in love with the Bible. I've traveled the world learning the Bible and love the Bible. 
because it is God. And I just want to be drawn closer and closer to God. So, so for me, it started that day, that next morning, when I jumped into the Word of God. And I've never gotten over how much the Word of God draws us closer to God. When did you begin to feel the calling to preach? Well, don't forget, I was a school teacher and a coach. Mm-hmm. So, so teaching and coaching kind of came natural. And I hadn't been saved a year. And Kevin Childs, my pastor, said, hey, why don't you become our student pastor at Green Sea? Well, I'd already started leading kids in my classroom to Christ. Started leading kids on the football team and the basketball teams I was coaching to Christ. And and I was really good with students. That's that was just the, it was a gift God had gave me. And I was like, Yeah, sure. And I became a incredible student pastor in that just just loved Christ, loved kids. And my principal at one of the schools I was at brought me in and by the way was the chairman of Deacons. He brought me in and said, Dean, there's reports that you're leading kids to Christ in your classroom. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I thought he was going to high-five me. He said, I want you to know if I get another complaint, you very well could lose your job. And I leaned over my desk and said, well, or I leaned over his desk and said, well, if that's the case, sir, I guess God has better plans for me. Well, it was only a few months later, the full-time ministry, being a student pastor. And I thought I'd be a student pastor the rest of my life. But through circumstances, and God really began to prepare me to teach as a pastor. And I say it all the time. I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. And so I teach more than I preach. I just want the Word of God to come alive for people so that they understand it. Because when you know the Word of God, you know the will of God. And when you know the Word and the will, you know that His will is for you to go and change the world. So that is kind of, I think, one of the reasons our church has just exploded in such a small city to, to be as large as it is is because I teach whole lot more than I preach. Well, let's talk about Five Point, because you you felt the call on your life to plant a church. Yes, sir. Walk walk us through that process. When when did that that calling begin to come to you, and and how did Five Point come into play? Well, I was the student pastor of a church, and and I, I, I went to our deacons and said, look, I got a vision on my heart. I just, I can't get rid of, it. I got to do this. I wanted to create a teen center. And I went before the church and said, look, I want to, I want to literally create a place where kids come and long story short. And the church didn't, didn't give me the money. God gave us the money. We had a, we, we got an old school in Liberty, South Carolina, and they, the city rented it to us for a dollar a year. And we put in, me and a whole bunch of our people at the church, we, we completely renovated it. We put in 40 arcade machines, five pool tables, uh, two ping pong tables, a cafe, 10 Xboxes. And then on the other side of the building was the auditorium. And in Little Liberty, South Carolina, we were running 200, 200 plus students on a Wednesday night. Running 100 kids coming to church on Sundays. And it blew up. And I thought, I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. But what I didn't know was that God was just preparing me because that student ministry was so big to just be a pastor. And then some, through some tough circumstances, uh, that, that 
teen center was, was closed. And I began to feel that God had been preparing me through all of that to plant a church that was completely different than any church around. Reach and teach. That's our vision statement. Reach people the love of Jesus. Teach them how to love like Jesus. Man, anything with a heartbeat will come through our door. And I just want to teach them the word of God so that they come to know God. And when you fall radically in love with God, it drives you to want to go change the world for God. When, for those of us who live in this area and, and we see what Five Point has become now, we can see God has, has blessed it. We, we, we see the, the storehouse. We see the, the, you've taken over almost that entire plaza or, or that basically have taken over the entire plaza. Yeah. And, and, and the church has grown exponentially. But this is, and I won't call it the finished product because I don't think the product's ever finished. Oh. But 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 this is where the product is now. Basically, twenty years later, what were the early days like? Well, in, in this September, we'll be nineteen years old, mm-hmm. and I have pastors that come in all the time and say, "Because I, I think way too many pastors have a lot of brothers; they just don't have any fathers." And, and I really believe one of the next big roles in my life is to begin to father pastors. And so these guys will come in and they'll see that this huge. We bought an old Walmart, and they'll see it and say, oh, my gosh, this must be nice. I'm like, bro, where were you 19 years ago? Everybody sees your harvest, but they don't see the field that you prepared and all the seed that you put into it. All they see is the finished product. They don't see that we started at Pickens High School and that I drove one of the trailers. I helped unload the sound system, all the stuff that went up for the nursery and the kids' area, and then – went and changed and, 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 and took a wash rag and tried to wash the sweat off of you and then got on the stage and preached and then went and loaded everything back up. People don't see none of that. And people don't see that we left Pickens High School and went into the Colony Theater and five of us put our houses, signed papers, here, take our house if this church fails. And we renovated the Colony Theater and we grew from 100 to 200 until we got to about 800 and then all of a sudden there was nowhere else to go. What people don't see is that we put our houses on the line again to buy the Crane Chevrolet building. And then we got in there and, and we went from 800 to 1,000 to 1,500. And now, same thing, we're getting close to 2,000 and, and we're out of space. Well, the Walmart came open and we bought the old Walmart here in Easley, only 80,000 square feet of it. And came in and com- completely renovated that. And, and what other pastors don't see is that Debbie and I, at the age of, I think it was 50, 50 something, a kid in college gave God every dime to our name. We believed in this church and what God was doing so much. And I, I'm not exaggerating. We walked out of the church that Sunday after our big give day, had gas in our tanks, food in our cupboards, and not a dime to our name in the bank. People think you're stupid. Uh, man, when a God side vision gets a hold of you, God gets your heart. You'll do exactly what he says. And then we renovated that old Walmart and started growing. And the first Sunday we met there, I stood before my church. And I, I don't pull the God card much because way too many pastors say, well, God told me, God told me. I, I don't do that. But I said that day, one day we'll own this shopping center because God showed it to me. And everybody said, oh, you're stupid. That'll never happen. Three, four years later, we buy the entire shopping center. Now we own 205,000 square feet. 
we took the old bylaw and we've turned it into the storehouse where we feed thousands of people. Now we've taken three other stores and turned them into our staff offices. Big Lots still has a contract, but one day when their contract's gone, because right now we're running five, six, seven hundred kids a Sunday, we'll extend, knock out more walls and move in there and make more room for kids. And it's amazing to see what God's doing when a bunch of people come together with a vision to change a city for him. Well, it, the, the story is incredible. Uh, the, the, the fruit of the labor obviously is incredible. And for, for those of us who, who have, have seen it, uh, and, and I was over there not too long ago visiting with Lawton, and uh, talking with him about the, the ministry that we're doing here. Uh, it, it's just incredible to see the, the growth and, and what God is doing to, to peop- with people who have that, that surrendered heart and that surrendered mindset. As you have grown and, and continue to grow, and you, you talk about 2,000 people and, and however many you have coming now, I know you have multiple services, do, do you worry about the perception that's out there now about the quote-unquote megachurch? Do, do you allow the noise to to affect you at all? Nope. Galatians 1.10 says very clearly, the Apostle Paul, if I am here to please man, how can I even call myself a follower of Christ? I say this with as humble heart and nice as I possibly can. I really don't care what people think. And we do get that where you're a mega church. And you know, the only people who talk about us, now make sure you hear this, Dan. Mm-hmm. The only people who talk about us are church people. Lost people ain't talk, walk around talking about us. Why would a lost person talk about a church? If we could get church people to quit fighting each other, heaven forbid, we might be able to change the world. Our enemy is not each other, it's the world. So I'm not trying to reach more church people. I'm trying to reach people far from Christ. And they ain't talking nothing bad about the mega church. And yes, we're a mega church. We're in a city of 25,000 and we're running 3,000 plus regularly. We'll be running 4,000 soon. Follow me a bit. It's just every single individual in this city who doesn't know Jesus needs to hear about it. And if nobody else wants to tell them, all of us at five point do. So at this stage of your career, I've never known a pastor who was truly called or a preacher who was truly called by God who ever had any intentions on retiring. My dad is 75 years old, and he's still pastoring and preaching. What does what does the future hold for you? Lawson, Lawson is my son-in-law, but he's also my executive pastor. Mm-hmm. Our church wouldn't be where it is without Lawson Clary. He is a genius. He is the brains behind the machine. Uh, he, he, he keeps talking to me about a succession plan, and I'm like, Lawson, we don't need to talk about no succession plan because I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Not anytime soon at all. You know, my, my goal is to keep doing what I'm doing for years to come. But at some point, we got to talk about a succession plan, and I know that. But, but I, here's what I hope, Dan. I hope I'm just like Moses. Hey, get your stuff together. You're going up on top of the mountain, you're done. Hoping like Joseph. Hey, Joseph, you need to talk to your kids because uh, uh, you're going to be gone in a couple of weeks. 
I want to go to the day I die. Now, does that mean I'll always be pastoring this church at the level that I am? I don't know. It's pretty tough pastoring a church this size. The, the decisions you have to make. I tell people, I tell pastors all the time, you sure you want to pastor a church this size? Because you need to understand every decision you make, every decision affects thousands of people. You want that on you? So I don't know at what level I'll be pastoring, but I know that I'll be teaching. I'll be uh, fathering pastors. I'll be whatever it looks like. I will be trying to reach as many people as I possibly can until it's my time to go home. As I told Dean, I cannot think of a better place to end that interview because every preacher that I know that has truly been called by God into that ministry has that attitude that they have no intention on retiring. And I always come back to Billy Graham. He gave his last crusade in 2005, I believe it was. And he got to be age 93, and this would have been along about 2013, and he wanted to preach one more message. And you can find this video if you go to the, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association website or go to YouTube, uh, of them actually trying to come up with a way for him to be able to stand long enough because he was in, in uh, very difficult health circumstances then. But trying to find a way for him to, to be able to stand or even sit behind a pulpit long enough to, to be able to deliver one more message to America. And, and while he could not do it that way, what ultimately came out of that was the My Hope America special, which ended up being his final message, quote-unquote, that had such an impact uh, at age 93. And I, I just... When I hear Dean Herman say that, it just leads me to believe that God's calling is on his life. And every preacher I know, as I said, who has that calling does not want to retire. In fact, I've heard many of them say they hope they go while they're in the pulpit. Just a great interview. I can't thank Dean Herman enough for giving us that time. If you want to find out more about Five Point Church, the website is five, the number five pointchurch.com. And you can find out much more about what's going on with that ministry in Easley, E A S L E Y, South Carolina. We'll take a break. We'll come back and get into wrap up mode for this week's show in just a moment. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers, we need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is GrandSlamMinistries.org.
Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, danscottshow.org. And now, back to the show. Final segment of this 21st episode of the Dan Scott Show. Thanks again to uh, Pastor Dean Herman from Five Point Church in Easley, South Carolina, for joining us. I'm telling you, as I interview more and more people, I can see parallels in some of their testimonies into my own. Uh, and I shared a little bit of that in the conversation with Pastor Dean because, you know, I had other gods in my life. I Broadcasting baseball was a god in my life. Chasing money was a god in my life. And all of those other things that I struggled with, and it's just, it's interesting to hear and really encouraging, quite honestly, to hear other people who have gone through similar circumstances or, or their own different circumstances, but with similar paths that lead them to that saving relationship with Jesus Christ and, and what it took to get there. And every time that I talk to someone who is asking me about drawing closer to God or, or saying they don't feel like they're plugged in at a church. And I had a conversation with, with someone just the other day about this. And I'm talking about men here mostly. One of the things I always encourage them to do is if there's a men's ministry at the church, get plugged into it. Because when I first got saved back in June of, of 2012, probably five or six months after I started going to the weekly prayer breakfasts that we still have on Tuesday mornings uh, at Utica Baptist. And, and it's the men's ministry getting together, sharing a devotion, sharing prayer requests, praying with one another. And, and that seemingly small step had such a great impact on me because you you have the inclination sometimes to feel like you're the only person who's going through something and, and the only person who's ever gone through something. And I can remember as the first few weeks of attending that prayer breakfast started rolling by that I'm looking at guys who had been walking with Christ 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, some 50 years, and me, maybe six months, and hearing their stories and thinking, wow, they've gone through the same thing that I have. And what it does when you see and hear their testimonies and what God has done in their lives, it is is such an encouragement to you. It was for me. So I always, always encourage men when I talk to them that if their church has a men's ministry 
and you're not plugged into it, get plugged into it, especially if you go to a larger church where maybe you, you don't feel like it's possible to get to know very many people. Well, that's when you start narrowing that group down with, with small groups and with men's ministry groups or, or with women's ministry groups for you ladies. And, and I'm telling you, you get with a bunch of godly men or women who are willing to be vulnerable and who are there only to seek God's will for their lives and to try and learn as much about him as possible, it's impossible not to be blessed. And, and then in turn, you find yourself being put in situations to become a blessing to somebody else. So I highly recommend, if you're listening to this program and at, at your church you, you feel like you're not plugged in for whatever reason. If you're a man listening, find the men's ministry. If you are a lady listening, find the women's ministry. Get plugged in. God will lead you to the right people, and those relationships will start to form, and those bonds will begin to build. You will not be sorry. I promise you that. We are at the end of another program. An hour absolutely flies by. I want to thank Pastor Dean Herman of Five Point Church in Easley, South Carolina, for joining us again. And again, if you'd like to find out more about what they do, uh, it's five point, the number five, pointchurch.com, and all the information is there. We will be back again next week with uh, another show. We've got uh, coming up in the next few weeks, God willing, former big leaguer Doug Flynn, a, a wonderful lady named Rachel Joy Barabo, who has an incredible testimony about what God has done in her life through sports and others and so many others that we're working on as well. Share this show. Tell people about it. Help us grow. And thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you and so long, everybody. <music>